reputation, not just uh, because he, he had challenged Hashem, as we said in the Gemara, like he said, I'm going to fight against the, the, the Jews and their God. Whereas Shovach, we don't have as many words about him, but he was also a mighty foe. In other words, the, uh, the, uh, the different armies uh, have their, you know, their big, strong people that lead the battle and people are afraid to come up against them. So uh, let's begin from there. B'nai Amon, the people of Amon, Bo b'nitzkunu shel shovak, at the two dots on the bottom of 42b. So uh, the question is, uh, what do we know about him? So the, there's a study in their names. In other words, when the Torah lists a name, it, 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 there has to be a reason we need to know that name or why it used it. So in one place it uses the word shovak, and in another place it calls him shovak, with a pay. So Rav Show his real name was Shovach. So then why was he called Shovach? So Shovach is another name for a birdhouse. He was built like a birdhouse. So some people learn he was like very tall. You know, like a birdhouse is like high up. You know, where, where is this guy? You looked up high and now he was a big tall giant. Other people learn like Shovach, like a birdhouse, like is big, you know, big chested, like on top, on high. Or... Um, Art school said a funny thing. It's like has like compartments, like a birdhouse. I don't know exactly what that means. Like, uh, but uh, he was. Uh, it's called a dove coat. It's where the where the doves would uh, live in these little individual areas. Isn't that a birdhouse, or is that a little different? That dove coat. Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Yeah. A dove coat. Many of them, and they were sections. Uh huh. In that in that era, it was a big thing. So does that make him like mightier if he is he built of sections like different you know? Like the, talk about a six pack, you know the. You know, oh okay. The muscles are. Uh, oh, that's a good. He you heard he's a six pack. He said. Uh huh. Okay. It's like I, I, I never fully understood that analogy. He's got a six pack, but I guess that it's like it means multiple. Abdominal muscles. Uh huh. I see. Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, so one view is that's why he was called Shovach. Uh, his real name was Shovach. Uh, so then why was he called Shovach? People used to pish in their pants when they saw him. or they. The other view is they spilled, like he spilled their blood very quickly. Uh, it says like his quiver was like an, uh, a... Um, he, had, he was quick on the arrow. Kulam giborim, Rabbi Shmulamer. What does it mean? They were strong. Uh, they were mighty. They were all mighty soldiers. So Chad Omer b'Shash Yezorch and Kates Osin Ashpasos Ashpasos Shochalolim. When they would throw a spear, so usually the average person they throw the spear, and when it hits the first person, it like falls off. These these guys they threw the spear so strong that it would shish kebab a few people, like at the same, you know, kept on going. B'Shem Etomer Sheumne B'Karim. Maybe um, uh, they just were very skilled at what they did. You know, if you're a good shot, you can kill two people with one, one bullet. The, the Nazis, sometimes the Hungarians tried to they see if they could kill. They didn't want to waste one bullet on a Jew. They tried to kill two with one. one, uh, one they, they would tie them together near the water, and they would shoot one, and then it would drag the other down. In, in the Holocaust literature, they talk about that. But that's, that's what they did. Maybe they, there was a certain skill or a trick to it, uh, but he says, no, kulam giborim, they were mighty. He says there's something else going on over here, that when they went to the bathroom, 
this this group, you know, when you want to say, you know, like teenagers are hungry, you say they eat like an army. You know, there's something about an army where they eat lots of food, you know, with the, the uh, so apparently they would eat a lot and they would leave a big mess afterwards. Hashem or Tomer, maybe they left a mess, they got stomach sickness, they're eating raw food. No, that was a, they were almighty people, and so they had very big appetites, and they left a very big mess afterwards. We have these funny narratives sometimes in Chazal, and what do we learn from them? So he said, uh, sometimes these are meant to give us a life-saving tip. So he says that if a person sees that all of a sudden he's going to the bathroom more than usual, uh, he's in trouble. There's something wrong with his stomach. He should go to a doctor uh, if he sees that's happening. Rashi, about eight lines from the bottom. You should get healed before it gets worse, before it gets too heavy to be fixed. So then the same group of rabbis had a, also a different discussion about a Pusik and Mishle. It's an important discussion. Again, occasionally people get worries. People have worries. Some people, their minds are worries. So what do you do when a person has worries in their heart? They worry about stuff. So the word in Mishle is Yishochanu. It's a funny word. So what does it mean? He says, put it aside. Don't think about it. People overly focus on things that may never come to being problems. Yishochanu put it... You could like put something in a different department and close the door and don't open it. Like it's, sometimes you have stuff that you put away and you just never, you know, it's in a drawer, it's somewhere, you know, you should kind of take that thought and don't, you know, you're thinking about it all the time. What if, what if, what if? And the commercials don't help. You know, the IRS is coming after you and it's, uh, they're going to take away your account and you got to worry about this and, the, and what happens if there's an active uh, police thing, you need this alarm. And it, it's very easy to be worried. And there are people who have very strong worries. So try to, one view is, yes, you can be daito. Try to put it away, not to think about it. The other view is, yes, you can uh, Tell it. Speak, tell it over to somebody. If you let it off your chest and you speak it out, you'll feel better afterwards. It's like two different, almost opposite views. Do you like, you know, do you push it to the side and not think about it? Or do you go and you talk it over? Uh, those are Rav and Shmuel. And it makes sense. Rav and Shmuel had two different perspectives on different things. So, but Atem Yatem Kane. So, yeah. Where are you? We're on the bottom line on Membez Ahmed Bez, 42B. We had got we didn't quite finish yesterday. So uh, then we said uh, the um, uh, they gave the speech to the army that they had to know that Hashem was with them. Why did they go into detail? When it said Hashem went with you, it was because Hashem and all of His names, which is an interesting. Good morning, welcome. Uh, it's an interesting expression to include all of Hashem's names. Like you would have thought if you have the name, why do you need the other names? But actually each name represents a power. Moshe Rabbeinu used to kill people. You know, he used to win wars with those names. Avram Avinu, you know, like there's this, knowing the name of Hashem is like, you know, it's, that's a, you know, if you know the name of Hashem, you don't need anything else. Like that's the, it's a weapon, the Shem Hashem. But they were in the Aaron. Let's take a look at the last Tosus in Sota. Now, why do we say the last Tosus in Sota? So, uh, interesting comment over here at the bottom line on yesterday's page. Me'elu uh, Yoser. 
I couldn't find any more. Printers, they disappeared. If anybody can discover the missing tosos in Sota. But they couldn't find them, and so the rest of Sota is missing, missing tosos. We're sure that they existed. Like, there's no reason that there wouldn't be tosos on the... We've got a whole other week to go. But somehow, can't find them, can't find them. Um, we can blame the French on that. They burnt a lot of the Gemaras and the Bali Tosos. It was all their fault. They, um, in front of, they, they really, they burnt all the editions of the Talmud. And so a lot of these things, the Bali Tosos lived in France, Germany, those areas. And, uh, um, you know, the peace-loving, uh, you know, liberal uh, French, uh, they burnt them all uh, in the square over there. But anyway, let's see the Torah. It says that the names of Hashem were in the Aaron, Tosefta. It's the last Tosus here. Hashem, your God, goes with me. It's the name of Hashem, having Hashem's presence with you. As it says, Pinchas, at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, he was the Kohen who went to war. He was quite good at it, by the way. The question is, did the Kohen fight, or did he just encourage other people? I mean, Pinchas apparently sometimes took the spear in his own hands, you know, so, but, uh, but I don't know if that's the prototype or not. But either way, Pinchas went with them, the Kli Kodesh, and it says, holy vessels. What holy vessels? Other people say, Elu Big Day Kahuna. No, it means the, the Kohen clothes. It's interesting because you wouldn't wear them. You don't wear the Big Day Kahuna outside the base of Migdush, but he would bring them along. Uh, just like the names of Hashem protect, maybe the clothing of the Kohen protects. Uh, Rabbi Hudavid, now it could be because they needed to ask the Urim Vitumim, you had like the breastplate or the, you know, but it's just interesting. Rabbi Hudavid, Lakish Omar Bez He says there was more than one Aaron. Many people don't know this. Uh, and these are mainstream opinions. When we talk about the Aaron, it's nuanced. It, there was the Aaron in the Holy of Holies, and they had a traveling Aaron. They had one that went with them in battle. And it could be that there was, you know, it, there are differences of opinions. Tosa says it as a yesh omrim, that there were two. There's the one, the traveling one that went for war, and that, imam that you know what? They didn't have the real luchos in it, they had the broken luchos. They had the pieces. So those were holy, but, you know, it was, they weren't taking the tablets. We're not going to take those into battle. They took the broken tablets into battle. Which is also symbolic of what the broken tablet. Now, the one that was with them at all times, that had the Sefer Torah, the Moshe wrote, Yushalmi says, No, there was only one Aaron. Was it the Aaron or was it a Aaron? <laughs> was it a traveling one? Did they have it? Okay, back to the Gemara. He was talking about Pinchas. If I recall correctly, um, Pinchas actually killed Bilam, and Bilam started to fly away with magic, and Pinchas said the same Hashem and followed him up into the sky and got him. <laughs> Very good. Dr. Yaffe is mentioning, I vaguely remember such, there was a medrash that when uh, Bilam, who was the magician, uh, was caught, he tried to use magic to get away, and uh, Pinchas, he used the Shem Hashem to zap him. You know, you can't, you know, fighting, you know, the powers of Tumah, if you have the Shem Hashem, uh, so there is something to bringing the Shemos Hashem with you. Okay, back to the Gemara, top of today's page. And also, as it says, when Moshe Rabbeinu at the war with Midian, he sent a thousand men for each tribe. Osam is Pinchas. Osam, who's Osam? Elu Sanhedrin. 
It's interesting. He sent the Sanhedrin along to battle. There, there are a few places where it mentions that you had the, you know, you would say, what do the judges need to be there? Or maybe it means in the merit that we're following the judges. Pinchas Meshuach Melchama. He was, uh, the truth is that there are life and death questions in war. You really need, uh, you need, it's good to have the Sanhedrin there to know what to do. Uh, this is the Aron and the Lukos. So, by the way, according to Tosus, it means the broken Lukos. Not the, you know, it, uh, it, makes, it does sound like it's only one if it has the Lukos. They had special trumpets. Uh, these were shofars. But sometimes the tr- uh, uh, shofars were called trumpets. You see that word too. Now, Pinchas was an old man. I shouldn't say old, but um, you know, everybody's young at heart. But why would they bother him? He had be- didn't he have better things to do than go to Midian and go fight over there? So the Mora mentions that he had a personal reason that he had to lead the charge. What is that? He had to take revenge for what they did to his grandpa. He, uh, Pinchas was descended from Yisrael. And we have a tradition, those Midianites, those good-for-nothing Midianites, it's all their fault. They sold him to Mitzrayim. And by the way, there's a whole discussion. It sounds like there was more than one group that was involved in selling Yosef. Uh, but somehow the Midianites played a, a bad part in the slave trade. And so Pinchas was the man to get even. He was going to make sure they weren't going to get away with this. Yes, Richard, do you have something? Oh. Uh, no, no, you, you corrected it already. Oh. It's fine. Okay. So now the more has a problem, though. We're uh, viewing Pinchas as the tribe of Yosef, or, he, or at least on his mother's side, uh, he definitely wasn't related from his father's side. He was a descendant of Aaron. So the only way he could be a Yosef man is if from his mother's side. Who was his mother? His mother was a daughter of Potiel. Who's Potiel? My love, the Asimi Yisro. That must, the word potiel must be Yisro, Shepitim Agol Chachavim. He was the one who fattened cows to the idols. We, we have mixed feelings about Yisro, by the way, even though he has all these beautiful names. Um, I guess some people would say he's such a Balchuva because he did, he, he had those sacrifices to the idols, which is a very terrible thing. In other words, uh, but he was called potiel because he used to fatten cows for the idols, which to us is like a terrible, like, you know, but the Morris says, look, no, really, so did he come from Yisro or did he come from Yosef? The Morris says, no, maybe the word potiel means from Yosef, shepipen be Yitzro. Yosef took on his Yetzahara. There's a debate about exactly what Yosef did. Some people say he, he curled his hair. And um, basically, Yosef was the target. He was a very handsome young man. And uh, the women were like chasing after him in an unbelievable way. The descriptions of the Medrash of the Egyptian women going after Yosef. Um, so uh, the Yosef didn't hide from it. He said, bring it on. Some people say. But the Gemara says, we have a tradition that they made fun of him. You would never know this. You think Pinchas was a hero? No, they used to make fun of him. Right? He says, they would say, did you see the son of Puti? So part of idolatry was they slaughtered people. Idolatry was murder. They had human sacrifice. They keep finding these in South America, these idols on the top of mountains, and there's like dozens of young maidens that are killed next to it, or dozens of children. They, they 
the idolatry was human slaughter. So uh, they made fun of Pinchas, you know, this guy whose grandpa was a human slaughterer, you know, was somebody who sacrificed people to the idols. Now he goes and he kills them. You know why he killed them? Not because the, he had the Shem Shemayim, because he wanted to stop the plague. And he, no, because he grew up with killing people. That's, he was an, a descendant of a idolater. So you see that he definitely was descent from the fact that they made fun of his grandpa. You see he came from Yisrael. So how could that be? So the Gemara is very practical over here. Uh, really, he was descended from his mother's side. And we said from his mother's side he came from Yosef. But the answer is his mother has two parents. Yosef. The father of his mother was from Yosef. The mother of his mother was from Yisro. Or if grandma, the mother's mother was from Yosef. The father's father was from Yisro. From the daughters of the Potiel from, from different sides. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Right, 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 right. So, right. So, when a person's on a really high level, so, I mean, today we have, we had, a, uh, sometimes the Balchuva is bothered if you remind him of his past, and sometimes it's a compliment. Look where you were today, what you did before, and where you are now. So, there is, some people say, like, Kohen Midjan, the Torah seems to go out of his way to make fun of him. He was a Kohen Midjan, you know, but Yisro was so much above it because he left that behind him. Uh, that for him, it wasn't insulting to talk about his past. It was a compliment. Look, he used to be somebody that sacrificed to the idols. Now he's serving a Kodesh Baruch Hu. You know, so that's one way they... It's not like Yisro. It's on Pinchas. He's a Ben Hutiel. Right, 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 right. It's totally negative. Right. And so what's the... What, what, so I want to say... Why does the Torah even mention it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Why does the Torah mention it if, if it's a negative to Yisro? Right here. Yeah. That's the, uh, remember the, he, in the end, he was a good guy, so why, did, why do we have to mention the fact that he slaughtered people to the idols? Um, but again, that, that's one approach that, because uh, it's true, he did terrible things as, as an idolater, but look what he, you know, look, he was able to, to change and, and put that behind him. Uh, but it was so bad that they, his descendants, they made fun of. And they said, look who you came from. You know, and uh, when he killed, they said, it's, it's really because it's in the family. They're, they're, those people like to kill people. Okay, let's see the mission. Maybe I, maybe I missed something. It says, Well, there were human calves, too. It's all part of the process. Yeah. Where's that brought down in the Gemara? It's not. The Gemara, but the Gemara said that they made fun of him when he killed Zimri because he used to kill cows. So I added that in, that included in the killing of the cows was the human, the human part as well. But you're right, the Gomorrah doesn't mention that he killed humans. If you only say he killed cows, so then it's, so what does killing cows have to do with killing humans? Um, so well, there's... you see the connection with killing humans? I, I must have missed that. Because it says, Yaharag... Uh, it says that, that he killed the Nasi of Yisrael. Oh, no, I know. That, that's one person, though. Pinchas killed that one person. No, no, but it's that... connecting. His, they're saying because he grew up as an idolater that, that did the ceremonies with the cows, so that was easy for him to kill a Nasi. 
So that I was connecting the fact that he did murder before, he did murder now. But you're, you're right, strictly speaking, I made that up, meaning that it doesn't say that in the Gemara. The Gemara just says he killed cows, and now he's killing humans, but he was used to the killing. He was, the, the, way, the way that the, uh, just to tell you the way that the commentary says it, it says that the criticism is that the son whose mother fattened, continue saying means fattened cows for sacrificing to Avodah Zarah, he dares to kill a prince of Israel. So okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's the way they translate it. Right. Um, it, it, it is true it means to fatten. The word pitain means to fatten. Uh, but what... Mm -hmm. Yes, but I'm wondering if it's possible that what the connector is between the two things, the Pinchas actually became a Kohen because of that act. So his ancestors used to give cows to Avodah and he becomes a Kohen to give cows to Akadosh Baruch Hu through killing somebody? Maybe. I don't know. I hear. Okay. Uh, that's a valid uh, discussion. Okay, moving on. New mission. So we get back to our Kohen, and we need to find out what the Kohen, the, the, the chief general, chief chaplain, what did he do? The Jiber showed him Am, and he would speak to the people, saying, Who is the one who built a brand new house and didn't yet dedicate it? It takes a while to dedicate a house. It takes a while to put it all together. He can go home. Now, what if you only built a storehouse? Or or you built a barn? Or or you built a wood place? Or or for storage? It's all included. Those are houses. Whether you built it, whether you bought it, whether you inherited it, somebody gifted you. All of these you could go back from battle to uh, to get them uh, to just, basically you just got them and you need to uh, to dedicate them. Who's the one who planted a new vineyard and didn't um, uh, the first three years of vineyard you can't use the fruit and so you then have to go and redeem it uh, uh, and uh, and bring it. Who, who didn't have a chance to do that? Whether you planted it. Even if it's not a vineyard, even if it's five fruit trees. Now, you can't just plant one fruit tree and get out of fighting in the yard. You know, that's my orchard. No, it's got to be fruit trees. Even if it's from the five, uh, five meaning. Whether you planted it. Or whether you... Uh, there's different methods of farming. One method is to plant. Another method is to, um, to graft, where you splice it together. Or, or you did harchava, where you take the new trees and the old trees. Whether you bought it, or you inherited it. All of them are included. Who is the one who got engaged? Whether she was never married. Marry a widow. Even if somebody marries their brother's wife. Uh, what if their brother died in war? So then automatically you'll never have a private Ryan. You know, that's the, uh, the, the famous movie that uh, was called Saving Private Ryan, where there were like five brothers uh, in war, and uh, I think four out of five died, and then the, the general decided that they had to go save the other one no matter what. Um, uh, don't ask me, that's not my expertise, the plot of a movie. But uh, uh, basically, if somebody would have lost his brother, and the brother was married, the other ones would automatically be sent back from the front uh, to see about marrying the wife. Um, and uh, they would go back. So, all of these groups of people would hear the words of the Kohen. 
Bechosin. Now, even though they went back, they weren't free to do nothing. They still had to support the war efforts. Oh, Mistafkin, Mayanu, Muslim, they had to be there, bring the water and the food and Mistafkinus and fix the roads. The Elush, you know, it's interesting because that, that's a big part of war is building the roads so you can shift the equipment back and forth. And the, so you had to have road builders, the engineers, the engineer corp. Anybody who's in war knows that's an important part. The Elush, Ein Chosman. But the following people don't get to come back from war. Habona Beishar. You build yourself a little bit of a gate, Aksadra. You make a, uh, what do they call that? The, um, uh, like a portico. A portico, thank you. Like a vestibule, yeah. Guard, yeah, it's a guard porch, yeah. Like a guardhouse or a vestibule. Mm-hmm. Umar Peset, you build yourself a little porch. Uh, those, that doesn't qualify you from getting, oh, I just built my new porch. I need to go back from battle. No, 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 no. You can wait a year for that. Or if you only planted five, four fruit trees. You planted five trees that weren't fruit trees. Or Hamaxus Grushosa, you take back the X. If you married somebody you weren't supposed to, so Lo you couldn't go back. Yehuda said, uh, even if you rebuild the house in the same spot, insurance or something, Lo you couldn't go back. Relazar says, uh, if you built a house in Shiron, Shiron that was a place where houses didn't last. Everything there was temporary. So if you built something, it was a temporary structure, you wouldn't... Uh, um, there, was, there was special prayer of the Kaingado for the people who lived in Sharon because uh, they, for whatever reason, the houses just didn't... Uh, they crumbled, they blew away. I don't know exactly why it was a quicksand. I don't know exactly... But uh, whatever it was, that it was not a... Per- usually you're building a permanent edifice, so we give you off from the army. If you, live, if you built a house over there, it was just for a little while. It was just a... Uh, like a thing. So. The following uh, don't uh, don't uh, don't even go to war at all. Bonus If you built the house, um, uh, the uh, you just built the house and you um, and you're dedicating it. Not to Karim and you just uh, planted the vineyard and you're bringing it. you married your fiance. Or you marry the brother's wife. You get a whole year. You don't even, it's not that you go and you're sent back. You, you automatically get a year. The, uh, what does it mean for his house? That's his vineyard. And he makes his wife happy. That even in, the one that he took, it includes his brother's wife. They don't have to do the food duty. They're totally exempt. They don't got to go uh, fight at all. Let's see the Gemara. It says the uh, it says they spoke, and not only the Kohen spoke. It says the officers speak. So we'll get to that in a sense. So I would have thought they make up the speech. You know, every war you got to make your own speech. You Omer show from. It says you add on your two cents. That those were your own words, but the beginning words have to come from the Chumash, and they have to be in Lashon Kodesh. So you started out with the speech of the Meshuach Milchama. That's from the Torah, and then you added your two cents. That was the um, some officers were very colorful in how they gave their um, patent. Was famous for his pep talks, uh, and that, that was in their their native tongue. Could be, yeah, right, that's right, yeah. Um, 
Patton was actually criticized because he liked to curse. He got up in front of everybody, said the most vile uh, kinds of speeches. Uh, so it's, uh, but anyway, how Kate, how does it go? But to, to most of the soldiers, that's what they wanted to hear was all the curse words and all the, you know, that was their language. That was like the... But anyway, Kohen midaber v'shotim The Kohen, he said his piece, and then the shotim would make sure everybody could hear it. So one view is the coin would speak v'shotim mashmiya, and the shotim would broadcast it. They've always had army people with loud voices, you know. With the, you know the you know those people would speak. No, the Kohen had to have a loud voice. No, the officer would speak for Shoter Mashmiya. So it's a little confusing. What's the role of the Kohen and what's the role? So we have the, the speaker, the broadcaster, and then we have the extra two cents. So what was where was the Kohen involved and where was the Shoter involved, the officer? Okay. The first part from the Torah it comes near, that's the Kohen speaking. Uh, and the Kohen would cause that, that part he would also say loud so everybody could hear the second part the Kohen would speak and the Shoter would broadcast it from there and on then the officers took over and they said whatever needed to be said the new house uh, now we're going to prove some of the things that we had in the mission. It's all from the Pesukim. That he built, I only know if he built it. What if he bought it, or inherited it, or was given to him? How do you know he also goes home? It's, 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 it's extra Pesuk that even, uh, no matter how he got it, if he did it, he gets it. How do I only know a living house? How do I know if it's a straw house? It doesn't mean a straw house. It's a house for straw. How do you see it from the So let's do the Rashi. Uh, so it's nine lines from the bottom on the left side. Rashi here goes, since there's no tosus, he goes on both sides. On the left side, mihish ribuhu. It's totally, it's an extra pasik. It could have said, who built? Why does it say, who is the man? A house was built. Any way that he got it, uh, it does, he's saying it comes to exclude not a full house, like a gateway. But since it didn't have to say the man that was built, it could have just said the one that had a house. So it implies that um, it's a... It's, it, really, I, th- I think you'd have to say, it's, when you say it's a reboy, it, 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 there's something extra here, and the extra thing is, even if you acquired it. I think that's how, that's how it would go. So, Beza Tevinu, Beza Bakr, Beza Eitzim. And what about all these other kinds of houses? The house for straw, the house for cows, the house for wood, the house for uh, other storage. And that was built, whatever whatever it's built for. Marba, once you're building, what about... A gateway, an exedra, portico, marpeset, and a porch. No, it's got to be a house. My bias, Roy Ladira. You have to be able to live there. I've called Roy Ladira. It's got to be a structure that you can live in. It can't just be like an overhang. Uh, he says a house uh, that implies, uh, as we're saying, like uh, a house itself. Lo chinek velo chanku. The, when it says that he didn't dedicate it yet, 
it should have said it. Why does it say his house? Prat Gazlin. If he stole the house, he doesn't go back to, from the war if, he's, uh, if it's not his house free and clear. So the Morris says, well, why do you have to say that? If he's really a thief, we don't, we don't have thieves in the army anyways. Not like the, uh, the Russians, you know, where they empty out the prisons to send them to where I don't mean, you know, nothing personal. They're talking about Putin, where they, it's well, well known that they emptied out the, they allowed prisoners amnesty if they'd go fight against the Ukrainians, right? So the, so the, uh, the Jewish army, they wouldn't take criminals. Uh, as we're going to see, they sent them back. So our question is, why do you have to say only if it's your house free and clear, not if you stole it? Uh, that can't be like a Yosegli. As we turn the page, that's somebody who's afraid of sin, doesn't fight. So are we excluding his opinion? First, you stole the house, but you felt bad about it. <laughs> you, what did you, now, how would you do tshuva? You paid the person the money for the house that you stole from him. And retroactively, that gets him out of milchama. No, so then now that gets him in the milchama. See, if <laughs> if he stole and he didn't pay, so then he'd be sent home. Right. But he he did tshuva and he paid off the people that he right. he didn't pay his contractors or whatever. He was you know now he paid them. So technically, now it's his house. Maybe he can go home. So we're saying since he got there from theft, he he doesn't go back. He But isn't that like a buyer of a hadar? Even if you buy a house, you go back. Says, since first he stole it and he didn't intend to pay so even though in the end he paid for it uh, he doesn't go back and then we said it, it hasn't been finished the, the house is still he bought a house that he still had he done it but, but well all, all of these cases it's not that's why they go back it's that's like they saying, but this is the only case where he has an unfinished house but he still has to go to Milchama correct yeah that's okay that's okay. right because he, he really he got there it. through illegal yeah. even though in the end he did pay right. it wasn't uh, yeah, it yeah. Wasn't worth yeah isn't, it isn't that called oh no when you when you force somebody to sell you something and even if you pay him the uh, the micro didn't want to sell it's one of the things that keeps off pouring Yom Kippur isn't it uh, that's one scenario there may be others he wants to, Dr. Yaffe is just getting into like how, what do you mean? Like if you take it away, I mean, it, don't you have to give it back to them? Or is it, uh, what, what's the care? Maybe it was up for sale and you just, it was on the market and you moved in and you didn't pay for it. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, the, I, if, uh, Dr. Yaffe, you don't mean oh no, you mean where you force somebody to sell and they really didn't want to sell. You know, or the. I may be using the wrong term. Or that's low mode, isn't it? Or or. Uh, I, I I can't recall. I'm I'm oh, drugged up yeah. right now. Something, said, that took, that, something that I took before I went to bed. Oh okay. <laughs> uh, no, but that's a form of getting. Sometimes you force somebody to sell this. I want to. If you just planted a vineyard, turn around. Asher nata, you planted. Ain't liela nata. That's only if you planted. Lachak veyorish. What happens if you bought it or you inherited it? Nitzel matana, you got gifted it. Menayin, how do you know? Tamid lomer mi yishesher nata kerem. Again, this is also a reboy. There's an extra pasuk. Who's the one that planted it? So from these extra psukim, we understand that includes even if you got it a different way, even though it says that you planted it, it includes other forms of getting it. How do you know five fruit trees? Even not grapes. Anything you plant. I don't understand about the four or the five trees. Where does that come from? Um, 
Well, we said before that we th- we're not proving the only five trees. We're saying that as long as there's five trees, it's considered also a orchard. Uh, it's it's even though it, technically it says a carom, which means of grapes, it would include other types of fruit trees. So uh, late, um, we'll, we'll show later on why four isn't considered an orchard. It's not. It's not considered. Yes, um, he's mentioning there's a diagram on Ahmed Aleph. There's a there's there's legal definitions of what a vineyard, uh, what's a minimum amount needed to be considered a plot of land that's fruit bearing, and so it's usually five or the the number and the setup. It's the number and the configuration. And the configuration, yeah. So I would have thought Yochoshani Marba note to Arbeilani Michael. What about if you had like a combination, you had four fruit trees and you had five wood trees? Uh, rock, you know, things for other things. No, it's got to be a kerem. Uh, he says, kerem, uh, as we said, that comes, that, that's the five fruit trees. Uh, you didn't yet redeem it. This would exclude if these are old trees that are being grafted. I have a non tanan echad note of echadamavre echadamar. I thought we said grafted trees. Uh, you could go back from the army. So again, these are farming methods. So does it have to be that if you plant, see if you plant and you grow it from scratch, then the first few years you didn't get to use it yet, and then you redeem it in the fourth year, and so you haven't had a chance to do that. Whereas if you are just taking old trees that are already grown and replanting them, that's a different process. But we have a contradiction here. It sounds like one kind of farming you could go back and one you can't. What's what? He says it's not a difficulty. One is talking about the, um, you, you did the forbidden grafting. Then you don't go back. If you did it, okay. What's the permitted kind of grafting? If these are brand new shoots, a new one and a new one, I mean, a new one, you would go back even if it wasn't grafted because it's new. It must be a new one and an old one. When you have an old tree and you add some new shoots, it's really called an old tree. You don't have to redeem it. It's not, you don't go through Orla. The Ainbow Din Orla, because really it's an old tree that you just injected some new shoots to bring it back to life. But the new produce is going to be really the old tree. So Olam you're right. Really, we're talking about the new and the new. The original one wasn't built for fruit. It was built to be a fence or to be a beam. It was it wasn't built in there's ways to produce fruit from trees, and there are ways that they're not really meant to produce fruit. That's part of the way the setup. You have to allow enough space and uh, um Sometimes you could buy a fruit tree and it won't produce fruit. It's, it's a lot of work to make a tree produce the fruit. You have to allow enough space and to fertilize it and to, and to get it where you need it to go. But this originally wasn't meant to produce fruit. The Tanana, note to If you planted it for other things and it happens to produce fruit, you don't have to bring orla on it because it wasn't planted for the fruit. Why is it when you have a young one injected into an old one, it's nullified? And it's not nullified. By the old one, if you change your mind, 
um, it, it can't, you can't change your mind and then start growing from it when it's an old one. If you change your mind, you could still grow from it because it's a fruit tree. It's similar to wild trees that grow on their own. It's not when they grow on their own. Basically, you have fruit trees that until now weren't used for their fruit. Once you do a process to make them produce, then the orla would start. Now, even though they weren't made for fruit, they did produce some fruit, but the orla didn't apply. Once you set them up uh, to produce heavy-duty uh, harvest, then you... Uh, it sounds like when you let them grow wild, you may get a grape here, grape there, or just a little bit, but if you allow enough space and you fertilize them and do it the right way, then you set it up as an orchard. Well, why don't we set up an interesting case where two people own the vineyard, and uh, they both uh, will get out of doing the service uh, because they both planted. The high hader adideva, each one goes back. Omra papazosa meres. No, no, no. We're not. You don't get it on the army so easy. Kerem sheshnei shut ve'en chosen alamarchi. You can't go back. Umaishna machamisha achim. Why is that different when there's five brothers and one of the brothers died? Every one of them goes back to war. Kol chad vechad krina be'ishto. Each one will say, "I'm going to do yivam." So the Morris says, over there, each one technically could be the man. So they have to go figure out who's the one most suited to do the Yibam. Over here, it's not each one doesn't, each one doesn't have the vineyard independently. It's multiple old. He said, we're talking about where you grafted a tree with a vegetable. I don't know exactly what that produces. And you, oh, certainly. Oh, you're talking about if it's owned by multiple people, right? Is that, that your question? In other words, uh, uh, what if you have a very big vineyard and it happens to be it's owned by more than one person, but technically, if you split it up, each one that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, behind, yeah, yeah, sorry. This is just a, a point that Mavrich, I think, is that's when you bend one of those lower branches under the ground. Uh-huh. It's not a graft. One's graft, one's that yeah. other thing. What's that called? Propagating. Propagating? Propagating. Propagating. Layering. Layering. Michael far, uh, says it's called propagating? Propagating, okay. That's when they put a brick and separate it, and eventually it becomes an independent. Yeah. Um, the high time of it. Michael said it's still active. They're still a, an herb. What? I think they're grafting a tree to an herb. That's when they're putting it into the ground. And they're saying that um, uh, it can't be considered a real joining of the plant of the plants because it's simply it's temporary to stabilize the tree until its roots are firmly into the ground. Oh, I and see. It's really not. It's, it's not really a graft. It's really just a, like a branch to hold it up or something. Uh, th- it's a new thing here that we're mentioning, that, um, that he, it was a tree with a, with a, uh, uh, a yerrick, a vegetable. So it's saying it's not a real graft, or, or at least that's the footnote that he's right, reading. Holding the tree I, like, I, like, I, like, I think you're talking about is the, like for an azalea, for example, but there's different shrubbery that you can do that with where you get a branch that's uh, it's not big like thick like a tree branch but a little bitty thing and you can bend it and uh, you bend it over and you 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 break the branch a little so that it's got the uh, stuff inside it Mm -hmm. 
then you take it and bury it under the ground. And as you leave it there for a long while, it uh, gets roots and it's, you've got a second plant. Oh, wow. I haven't really done any grafting. Uh -huh. but, uh, I'm not quite sure what it's called. I was not very good in my botany class. <laughs> Michael says it's called propagating, I think, or but that just propagating just means having reproducing, doesn't it? What he said, doesn't that mean just to reproduce? No, it, well, uh, yeah, it is reproduced. But what it, what it guarantees you is the new plant can have 100% identical qualities of the original plant. That's it. He's saying that they do it because if you really like something and you want to reproduce the exact same type, so that's how you do it. Um, but now we're saying that there's a kind where you mix the uh, the tree with the vegetable. Bahai Tana and the Farlin Pini Tana. He says that's okay. They forbid it. You can't do different species together. I guess especially if it's not really a graft, it's just like to hold it up. Or it's not, it's not to produce. I have to know exactly what this does. He says, uh, in the name of Rabbi Yochan, Hamani Rabbi Lozim and Yaakovi. So more, that, that, that opinion that it's permitted. Lo Omer Rabbi Lozim and Yaakov, Hasim Kerem Kamashmo. Hachanami, didn't he say that it's got to be a vineyard? Nami, not to Kamashmo. Planting is planting. Not to in Mavrik or Markiv Lo. It wouldn't include these other things. He also, Dima Omer Yom, Meshumer Lozim and Yaakov, Yolda, Pachusimita. All right, we'll stop here. There's a bunch of rabbinic dinim here. We'll stop right. Ki Asa Revdimi at the bottom.